All right. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowded around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to pull out a little from shore. When he had finished speaking, oh wait, then he sat down and taught the people, the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the net for a cat. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners. No, no. By word of mouth, they signaled their partners and or in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to his knees and said, Jesus, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he, he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Oh, man. Come on, let's get it up one more time. <laughs> that is why I love LifeSpring. That is awesome. All right, let's get it going. Verse 1. One day, Jesus, standing by the lake, and that's also the Sea of Galilee there, the lake, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, uh, or pool floaties, um, left there by the fishermen washing their nets. He got into one of the boats belonging to Simon. He asked him to put out a little from shore. He sat down, taught the people from the boat. Uh, if you're taking notes, go ahead and pull them out of your bulletin. If you would like notes, raise your hand and we can pass them out to you. Raise your hands high so we know. There's fill in the blanks today. Thought I'd try something different. I always liked that. Though I also didn't like it if the pastor didn't cover all of the blanks. And I never liked going home with one blank empty. So I promise you, all blanks shall be filled today in the name of Jesus. Point one is simply this. Let Jesus use your boat. Let Jesus use your boat. He gets into Simon's boat and he tells Simon to put out a little from shore. 
I was thinking about it this week. He says, Simon, you know, get me out here a little bit. And we just assume that Simon's going to say yes. But Simon could have said no, right? Could have said no, right? Hey, Jesus, I'm trying to make a living. This boat is my living. My living. I don't have time for you to start messing, uh, you know, around with my boat. I definitely don't have time for you to start sermonizing in my boat, right? This is my boat. I'm doing stuff. Get out of my boat. And yet Peter doesn't do any of that. Instead, Simon, he lets Jesus into the boat and he brings Jesus out from the shore. Have you ever tried to kick Jesus out of your boat? Yeah, I know I have. There's so many ways this can happen in real life. Maybe you have a house and the house is just like you want it, right? It's your castle, it's your domain, it's your sanctuary. And, but then the Lord starts speaking and he starts speaking to you actually about opening the doors of your castle, unlocking the doors of your sanctuary. He actually wants to use your house, your castle, your sanctuary for the broken for the hurting. And you know, right, I mean, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're smart. You, you know that there's a cost to that, right? You know it might disrupt your life. In fact, it might change your life forever. And yet, in so many ways, when you open up your home to others, you are inviting Jesus to use your boat. I was at an orphan care conference uh, last week over in Kentucky. Uh, I was with Ryan McIntyre as the McIntyres get ready to move to Kenya and work uh, with um, reconciling uh, orphans with family members over there in Kenya, uh, we went to an orphan care conference. While we were there, we snuck away and went to the Ark Encounter. I have a picture. Uh, this is, uh, look at how big that thing is. So that's a life-size model. I couldn't even fit the whole Ark in there. That's one big boat. But anyways, if you're ever in Kentucky, whenever that would be, but um, go ahead, uh, three floors of uh, just uh, displays and exhibits inside of the boat and movies and those types of things, a lot of fun. But when we were there, there was this guy, he was a pastor, and he told us a stat that just, you know, the the conferences are so good because you hear stats that just, he said there was over 5 million orphans in Ethiopia. So I don't know Ethiopia very well. But when you hear a stat like that, five million orphans in Ethiopia. And he talked uh, about adopting four of them. But then he started talking about how challenging it was. And he was very honest. Uh, And really his main point uh, of his talk was that following Christ doesn't mean a perfect Disney happy ending. Right? They all live happily ever after. Actually, he, he said a lot about Jesus that after allowing Jesus into the boat, it can lead to a lot of pain and suffering. Not a real popular topic to talk about in church, but he, he talked about how all the disciples, or most of them, except for John, died horrible deaths. I mean, John, all he had done to him was exiled to an island, but um, uh, all horrible deaths. Why? For following Jesus. And yet they were willing to let their lives become uncomfortable, inconvenient because of Jesus, because of who Jesus was. The God had come down to earth. Emmanuel, God had come. God the Son, the one who could forgive all their sins, the one who could give them eternal life. He had called them to follow him. And so they counted the cost. They obeyed the call, even to their deaths. And he talked about how much these adoptions have radically disrupted his life, and yet he knows that it's what God has called us to do. James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. This man, he let Jesus use his boat 
He opened up his life to be used by Jesus. And so the question for you today is, where do you need to let Jesus use your boat? Right? Where is Jesus? Maybe way long before you ever came in this room. Where is he already asking you to do something, but you just need to do it? Maybe you need to let go of any promises or guarantees of comfort or convenience or even safety. But instead, you just trust the Lord. Why do you trust the Lord? Because he is who he says he is. He and He alone is the one who can forgive sins. He and He alone is the one who can give us eternal life. And He's called you. And if He's called you, you radically obey His call. And if He wants to use your boat, let Jesus use your boat. Number two, it's time to go deeper. It's time to go deeper. Did you notice that Jesus and Peter, they they went out, but then they went out again? They went a little deeper. This is how the Bible says it. When he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, put out in deep water, deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. Simon said, Master, man, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught a thing. But, because you say so, we'll let down the nets. Put into deep water, life spring. Go deeper. <laughs> Have you ever done this before where because you did something good for Jesus, like you let him use the boat, so maybe you sponsored a missionary, or you served at the local community dinner, or you had an exchange student, or you put something in the offering basket. Like, you did something like that, and because of that step, you kind of almost feel like now you're entitled to maybe play it safe, kind of coast. You ever done that? Don't raise your hands on that one. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But right? Like, well, you know, I was pretty good there, and so for the next 30 years, I can just kind of coast my way to heaven. Right? Look at what I've done. I'm following Jesus. And yeah, I think, I, I, I think some of you would agree with this. One of the most powerful parts of being a Christ follower is that there is a consistent call from Jesus to go deeper. You started reading your Bible, right? You started praying to the Lord. And then you heard the Lord say, hey, come here. Go deeper. Go deeper. Yeah, but I'm reading my Bible every day. No, go deeper. Yeah, but I'm, I'm praying to you. Go deeper. Or maybe you've given up living for the world. You've sacrificed your time and your money. You know, how amazing am I because I actually give money to Jesus? I am saint. You ever done this? A comparison game? You ever done the comparison game? Right? You know you'd be winning if we were comparing. Who's better at letting Jesus use the boat? I think Jesus in that moment would say, would you please stop worrying about everybody else? This is not a comparison game. Right now I'm talking to you. You go deeper. This is in the Bible. It gets pretty intense. John 21, Jesus is telling Peter, the same Peter, he's telling Peter how he's going to die. John 21, 20. Peter turned. After he hears this news from Jesus on how he's going to die, he turns. To the disciple whom Jesus loved. Anyone remember who he was? John. And he's following him. So he turns back to him. Just found out how he's going to die. And he's like, well, what about him? (laughs) Right? Which I probably would be that way too. Like, well, how is he going to die? What did Jesus say? Jesus says, well, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You? You follow me. Thanks, Jesus. What is he saying? This isn't a comparison game. Stop worrying about the person to your left or to your right. You follow Jesus. You must follow me. That's what Jesus says to Peter. Again, don't 
worry. If Jesus says go deeper, then you go deeper. Even if everyone else is staying on the shore. You notice those other guys, they're still on the shore. And he calls Peter to go deeper. Even if everybody else is playing it safe, you do what Jesus is asking you to do. And he answers, he goes, well, you know, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught a thing. You think he's a little bit tired at that point? Fishing all night, haven't caught anything. You ever been tired before church? You ever work so hard and feel like you're not getting anywhere? But because you say so, isn't that powerful? Whew, I love that. Peter says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Peter follows Jesus. He goes deeper. And then we know that same Peter who took that boat deeper is the same Peter who ends up dying for Jesus. Tradition tells us that Peter died, you know this, crucified upside down on a cross. Such an amazing example of a true follower of Jesus who loved Jesus and went deeper with him. Lifespring, where is Jesus asking you, not the person to your left or to your right, but you to go deeper? I know for me, I'll just tell you a personal story. Part of where the Lord has asked me to go deeper is into just this idea of insignificance. At the age of 24, all of a sudden, I was the music pastor of a church of around 1,200 people. And it can be so tempting to chase after fame and notoriety. And just because we're Christians, come on, it doesn't mean we don't struggle with these types of things. And the word that has been so clear that the Lord has spoken over my life is that I was going to find my significance, my value, my worth in Christ and Christ alone. Not in anything else, but who I am in Jesus. And so I've taken step after step into this journey of insignificance. And every time I kind of begin to feel proud of myself, you know, like look at all the steps I'm taking. Every time, church, the Lord says, Go deeper. Go deeper. Even with social media. Social media, it, it, I mean, what, I mean I'm, I'm fine with it. But it becomes this opportunity for you to get the followers, to get the likes. And even when you say it's, well, it's a part of my witness. Even there, it's your scary territory because it can kind of even become part of, part of this fame and this celebrity. And about four years ago, the Lord told me just to cut it all off. You notice you can't find me on social media. Though I do appreciate my wife uh, put a picture of me graduating and a bunch of you congratulated me on there. So thank you for that. That was really awesome. But... I just know, just cut it off, cut it off, deeper, 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 that I'd find my significance, my value, my worth in Christ and Christ alone. That is where he's taken me deeper. By the way, church, I still need that. I needed it four years ago. I still need that today to go deeper. He is still teaching me how to find my complete satisfaction and fulfillment in Christ. Where is he taking you deeper? Again, not the person to your left, not the person to your right. But you, what does it look like in your life? Maybe you've already adopted a child. Maybe he's asking you to adopt another. Maybe you've already opened up your home in the past to others to live there. Maybe he's asking you to open up even more. Or someone in our church who just recently sold their house to have a bigger house so that they could bring more people into the family. Or maybe instead of tithing, which is 10%, maybe he's asking you to give 20%, 30%, 40%. I don't know what it is, but just where is he calling you deeper. Number three, this one's so important to me. Invite others into the miracle. Invite others into the miracle. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish 
that their nets began to break. And so they signal. This is so important. They signal to those partners. Remember the guys back over here. They signal to the partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I love that Peter's nets began to break. You might want to write that down or highlight that. His nets began to break because Jesus didn't have to do that. Tracking with me? He's Jesus. He could have done the miracle to where he gave him just enough fish, right? Calculated how many fish that Simon could catch before the nets broke. But he didn't do that. Instead, Jesus overwhelms Simon with fish. So many fish that Peter, Simon, has to invite his friends over to take some of the fish. So many fish, by the way, that even they begin to sink. I think that's such a good example, and I hope you're tracking with me on this, because I think it's such a good example of the fact that Jesus does not want us to do this alone. It is okay to invite other people into the miracle. Even with this passage, it ends, uh, you know, it's the calling of his disciples. He says, come, follow me, and you see the disciples follow Jesus. But think about it, he doesn't just pick one special person to follow him, right? wasn't just like the top of the class, the straight-A student, whatever person you think is just like goody-two-shoe perfection. He didn't call them. He calls a group of people. A group of people. Disciples. How many times, though, do we try to live this Christian life alone? Alone. And yet here he is. It's so far removed from what Jesus asked of us. He doesn't want us to do this alone. He wants us to invite other people into the miracle. One way that gets played out in my own life is if, you, if you've ever had me visit you, you'll notice I almost never minister alone. So if I visited you in the hospital, maybe I was by myself, but there's a really good chance that there was someone standing next to me. And you'll, you'll be like, who's that? I'm like, oh, well, this is my friend, you know, and I'll introduce him to you. Or maybe uh, the Stone Creek services at 1.30 today, we're doing another Stone Creek service. There's going to be uh, five of us over there together, ministering together uh, at those services. Or just uh, on Wednesday morning this week, we had a, a training, a really powerful training over at Northwest Church. And ten of us from this church went over together. It's so important to invite other people along on the journey. One, it's biblical. Two, it's just more fun. Like, I just do not like the idea of doing this thing by myself. So invite other people. Just a couple of real practical ways. If the Lord is working on you, if you're Sunday mornings, you're just, you're like, man, like God's doing something in me. Just share that with other people. Share what the Lord is doing in you. So maybe you're getting touched by the Lord Sunday mornings and it's through the worship and through the prayer and through the uh, biblical teaching. We'll invite other people to come with you to church. If you've been really affected maybe by a life group and what the Lord is doing to you in a life group, like every Tuesday night we get together and we eat food and we pray and it's just amazing. We read the Bible. Invite someone else into that experience. Invite them. Say, come with me. If you look forward to our worship nights, anybody love our worship night? I love our worship night. If you love encountering Jesus, if you saw a slide and you're like, there's another worship night. Social media, watch out. I'm just blasted. If there was ever a good use of social media, blast the fact that we're coming on whatever day at whatever time to worship the Lord. Come with me as we worship the Lord together. Those guys in that other boat. It's so important. Jesus didn't step into their boat. Jesus didn't ask them to push out and then push out deeper. And yet, they got to be a part of a miracle. Hearing what I'm saying? Why? Because Peter asked them to come along. Hey, I need help. Come on in. Come in. Help me out. Where do you need to invite other people into the miracle? 
All right, so when Peter Simon saw this, he falls to his knees. And he says, what does he say? He says, go away from me. Lord, I am a sinful man. Yep. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Just, just like, wow. Remember, they had already tried fishing. There was no fish to be caught. It wasn't even the right time for fishing. And yet, here's this miraculous catch. What changed? All of a sudden, they're catching, they're fishing at the wrong time, and yet now they're catching this miraculous sinking boat quantity of fish. What, what changed? Jesus. Jesus changed. Jesus is the difference. Jesus is in the boat. The Son of God is in the boat. And, and, and Peter, I, you can just tell, like, he gets it more than any of us get it, because I'm not a fisherman, so I don't even understand, but he understands. He, and what, what, for Peter, he's catching a glimpse that this guy, this Jesus, who, uh, he is the Son of God. He is God, and he just falls at his knees. Oh, Lord, like, get out of here. Like, this is the wrong boat, right? You ever done that to Jesus? Like, yeah, I, I think you got the wrong boat. I'm a sinful man. He falls to his knees, realizing he's in the presence of God. It reminds me of Isaiah when he's in the temple, God shows up, remember that? And he just cries. He's like, I'm undone because I am a man of unclean lips. Or when, uh, remember Moses and, and, and God passes by Moses? Remember Moses' response? He just falls. He just falls. He bows to the ground. It says at once, immediately, he falls and he worships. Such powerful expressions in the presence of God. That's what you see with Peter. And we know as Christians, one day every tongue will confess, right? Every knee will bow, confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. But until that day, we have a choice. And this is important. Even on Sunday mornings when we're singing those songs, we have a choice. As you read your Bible, you'll notice not everyone back then chose the same response as Peter when they encountered the Son of God. Many of the Pharisees, right? Many of the other Jewish leaders, when they saw Jesus' miracles, was it to bow down and, and say, oh God? No, it was, how can we kill him? They hated Jesus. They wanted to rid the earth of him. What's your response, church? What's your response? Hopefully, our response is humble adoration. We fall on our knees in amazement of who Jesus is. And that leads me to point number four. Live amazed by Jesus. I love this. Live amazed by Jesus. Again, I always think about this during our times of worship. As we sing together, are you amazed by Jesus? Or are you just waiting for them to get done? Are you amazed by Jesus? And the reality is we all worship the Lord in different ways. You've got to be careful, right? Some, there's different expressions. Some with hands up high. Some uh, maybe you're, you're kneeling before the Lord and some clapping. Not coming, right? Worship, we know that worship is a thing of the heart. Right? It's much more about uh, what's in your heart than an outward expression. The outward expression is a part of worship, but it's just a part of it. And yet all of us in this room... I think, and we, I, again, this was my prayer last week. We've got to be willing to grow in the Lord. Here's a great litmus test for your worship. It's simply this. Is this what I'd be doing if Jesus walked into the room? Did everyone hear me on that? 
Is this what I would be doing if Jesus walked into the room? Would I kind of just stand there with my arms folded? Are they done with this song yet? Is this what I'd be doing? I remember my dad, he, I got Seahawks season tickets back in the day. And he's like, that's great. He goes, just remember, however loud you cheer for the Seahawks, you better be cheering louder for God. Go ahead and cheer for those Seahawks. That's great. But who has your heart, Dan? Who's won your affection? Would you just kind of stand there, not saying a word, just kind of waiting for him to be done? Jesus, could you leave? I'm trying to get over to Ranchitos. You've got to remember that if that is your response, that's actually a response that many people have had to Jesus. That was the response that many people, when you read the Bible, that was their response. But as followers of Jesus, as people who serve the Lord, as the King of kings, when the King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming into the room, I don't know about you, but I'm falling on my knees in humble adoration. The King has come. The king is here. I'm going to worship him. And by the way, is he here when we worship? If he's not, then what are we doing here? Like, what a waste of time. He's here. I think that's so important. He's here. Where two or three gather in my name, Jesus says, there am I with them. And so in his presence, like Peter, we fall on our knees in humble adoration. I love what happens next. Peter, he's on his knees and... And Peter's like, get away from me. And what does Jesus do? Does he send him away? Jesus isn't like, yeah, you're right. You're sinful and I'm pretty awesome. So just get out of here. No, instead, who knows? This is my thought. I think more with Peter being down there, I can just imagine him going, I can work with this. This is my guy. And you'll notice, it doesn't say that Peter stood up before Jesus said the next line. And again, we don't really know how this went, but I can just imagine Jesus getting down to Simon's level, right? Just like, because here's Peter, like, get away from me. Like, hey, Peter, don't be afraid. I love you, Peter. You've been fishing for fish and you've done a good job i'm proud of you but from now on you're going to fish for people come on get up oh you can leave that behind no you can actually leave everything behind come follow me i simply say this is what are you fishing for what are you fishing for what are you trying to catch we were just down in California. There's some nice things down in California. <laughs> People trying to catch some pretty nice things. <laughs> we were walking around that shopping mall, and I felt like I needed to buy a shirt just to be able to walk around that shopping mall. <laughs> are you trying to catch riches or fame, or maybe you're trying to catch the perfect spouse? Catch a big house, nice car, good retirement. By the way, if you know me at all, I'm not even against those things. I, those things in and of themselves I don't think are necessarily bad as the Lord leads. But the concern I have is 
Are those the things that you're living for, right? Are those the things that you're fishing for? Because when those are the things you're fishing for, when they become idols in your life, and, and do, don't be kidding yourself, when you, are fishing, when you are living for those things, they become gods in your life. When they're what you are worshiping, when they become your aim, your goal, you can find yourself at the end of your life. I have talked to this person again and again and again. You can find that person at the end of their life realizing I was fishing for all the wrong things. As a pastor, by the way, I'm tired of having those conversations. That's why I love hanging out with 20-year-olds and just saying, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Because I know God loves those people in, you know, later on in their lives. But the sorrow and the grief in their hearts of, oh, Jesus, I lived for the wrong things. It's one of the things that, why I'm so passionate is that we would wake up today. That we will never ever have that conversation. You and I will never have that conversation on your deathbed. On our, your deathbed, our conversation is going to be, glory to God, you did well. Glory to God. And I'm glad that when you were 38, you realized you couldn't take it with you and you just became a generous and giving person. Glory to God that you worked hard and your muscles were tired and you were anxious and worried, but you didn't let the devil take you down. Glory to God. Ugh. You and I, we're going to have that conversation. I'll just anoint you with oil and kiss you. I always love kissing them on the forehead. God loves you. I love you. You did it. Praise the Lord. What are you fishing for, church? We live in a world where they are fishing for the wrong things. Man, there's some scary things right now in our world. Just, uh, there's people that are fishing right now for that. Alcohol is a big deal. Just the comfort of alcohol. Fishing for comfort, Right? Just that familiarity, that comfort of alcohol. People just fishing after that convenience of pornography. Pornography is so available, you can get it in a second. It's just there. It's just, you don't have to worry about conflict and hard things and, and, and stressful things. You can just go there right away. The convenience of any kind of pornography you would want. You're fishing for the wrong things. The instant gratification of cell phones. What a crazy time to be living. What, we've had them for like 10 years? In the history of humanity, we're in like this 10-year window where in those 10 years, cell phones have radically changed the way that you and I think, the way that we act, even the way that we eat meals together, the way that we talk about uh, each other or to each other, radically, completely changed. And yet I'm around people all the time that tell me they can handle cell phones. What? You are fooling yourself. And yet it's so good. I mean, I can do anything on my... I, it, it does this and it does that. And it order, even orders delivery from McDonald's. How awesome is that? Yet Jesus has called us to leave it all behind. I'm, I, by the way, I love it when our young people just get radical on this stuff. And that's who, where revival comes is our young people. Because they see how the rest of us are doing it and they just stand up and go, No. Like, we're not doing this. We are not repeating the sins of our fathers. No. I just praise the Lord and pray for our young people that those young people would raise up and just be like, kind of like, just no. Like, no. In the name of Jesus, no. Because we got to live for something bigger than our temporary happiness, church. 
We've got to be a part of a bigger thing than just our temporary happiness. That we would see that we are a part of a great plan of redemption. We are a part of a plan where the lost are found and the blind are seen. That we are a part of the great commission. I want to read the great commission to you. This is what we're a part of. Not uh, to go into those other things, but to go into all the world. Therefore, go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. We are fishers of men called by Jesus to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to follow hard after Jesus. And that's what I want to close the service with. It's just what are you fishing for? What are you trying to catch? And again, the choice is yours. You do not have to follow Jesus. You can keep your arms folded the rest of your life. You do not have to be a fisher of man. You do not have to leave everything behind. In fact, you can go the opposite way and you can collect and collect and collect and collect. You do not have to go. You do not have to follow him. You do not have to play your part in the great commission to reach and save the lost. You are free to choose, but don't think for a second that your decision does not have eternal consequences because Jesus is very clear. Your choice about who you're going to live for and what you're going to live for is a grave and serious choice. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, Scripture tells us. But whoever rejects the Son, whoever rejects the Son, will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Peter, the disciples, they put their faith in Jesus. It cost them their lives here on earth. But in doing so, they gained eternal life. As Jesus told his disciples later on, if anyone wants to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus says, you're going to find it. So again, what you're living for? What are you catching? What are you fishing for? How's that going for you? How's that working out? Because today, regardless of how life has been going, regardless of how you came into the sanctuary, because of Jesus, you can leave here radically changed in the name of Jesus. You can leave here. Even if you've never let Jesus use your boat before, like you're like, I didn't even know that was an option. Even if you've never done anything like that, even if you stayed by the shore, you know, you know what I'm talking about in the pool where you just kind of hold on to the guardrails, you know, that little thing that helps you down the first couple of steps. Even if you stayed there your entire life, even if you have never thought of even giving Jesus the time of day, even if you've never done anything for Jesus in this moment, if you put your faith and trust and belief in Jesus, he's so for you. If you put your faith and trust and belief in Jesus, you can leave here radically changed. You can leave here forgiven of all your sins. All of your sins. Yes, even that one. Forgiven. Free. Living. True. Eternal life in Christ. But I will warn you. It will cost you everything. 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 And right now for some of you, he is asking you, Probably long before I ever started talking. He's asking you to follow him. That's what I love about Jesus. He's so good at talking to us, even when the mic's off. He's been asking you probably for a long time to follow him. But you're going to have to leave everything behind. And I can't promise you safety. I can't promise you comfort. I can't promise you convenience. But I can promise you eternal life. Eternal life with the one who made you, the one who knows you. And the one who loves you. I hope some of us say yes to him today. Yes to Jesus today. Worship team, would you come back up? And and would you bow your heads? I want to pray 
over you today. Lord, uh, this is so important, whether we let you use our boat or whether we say no to you. This is important. It has eternal consequences. It matters more than we even want it to matter sometimes because we want to live for ourselves, by ourselves. And yet you ask us to actually leave everything behind and follow you. The disciples caught something when they were with you. They, they began to understand something. Even though they still had questions, even though they still had doubts, there was something within them that began to realize you truly were God. And that truly you were the only one who could save us. You were the only one that could forgive us of our sins. You were the only one who could give us eternal life. They, 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 they caught that at such a level that they were willing to die for you. Because they, they truly believed your words that even though we would lose our life, we would find it in you. And so, Lord, there's a 2,000 year history, legacy of millions upon millions upon millions of people who in a moment just like this released that tight grip that they had on the world and on the things of this world. And they allowed your spirit to gently open up their hands. Give it all up. Lay it at your feet. And follow you. And so as we're praying, if there's anyone today who would like to say yes to Jesus, who would like to have all of your sins forgiven, who would like to have the assurance of eternal life, but even more than that, that, that eternal life, it wouldn't just be surviving. It wouldn't just be gritting your teeth, trying to make it. But it would be actually following Jesus. A life where you surrender to His Lordship, to His authority, to His teaching, to His commands. If you're ready for that, if you're ready to surrender and follow Jesus, would you do something bold for me? And everyone, everyone's got their heads bowed and eyes closed, but would you do something bold for me? Would you raise your hand really high? Just in a declaration to the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Yeah. Amen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Anybody else? Got a little bit of time. Amen. Lord, I just want to pray for those that raise your hands. Um, I think the Lord would say a couple of things to you. One, He made you. He made you. There, there's parts of you that you think are a mistake. I think this is just what the Lord's telling us right now. There's parts of you that you think are a mistake. And yet the Lord is saying, I made you with intentionality and purpose. And even this week, He wants to show you that some of those uh, ways that He has made you, uh, He's going to show you how He wants to use those things for His glory. Um, I think about my stubbornness, that my, my siblings wanted spanked out of me. But the Lord has used that for His glory. And I just speak that over you, those that raise their hands today, that the Lord is using some of those things for His glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And then two, I, I just believe this as well for every person who raised your hand, that Jesus is really excited to get into the boat. He's really excited to be used in that boat. 
And, and I just pray this over you, that you would experience a miraculous catch in the name of Jesus. I pray that over each one of you. A miraculous catch. Where you feel like you've been disappointed. Where you feel like your heart has been broken. Where you feel like, man, if I got a deck of cards, it sure isn't a good one. But I just pray, Lord, that today, in the name of Jesus, they would be just overwhelmed by a miraculous catch. Lord, that it would be so big and so beautiful and so good that they would be calling their friends and putting on Facebook and saying, come and join in this miracle of what the Lord is doing in my life. I just thank you for that, Jesus. And Lord, I even pray that you would, this week, even today, Lord, begin to speak a word over their life of come and follow me and that they'd be willing to leave everything and follow you, Jesus. Lord, for the rest of us, just teach us. We need your help. Teach us how to worship Teach us how to worship you, Lord. Teach us how to sing. Teach us how to go deeper. Teach us, Lord, how to be a part of your miraculous move on this earth. We don't want to waste our lives. We don't want to be at the end of it all and say, man, I was fishing for the wrong things. So, Lord, today, if we need a change of direction, if we need a course correction, would you do that right now in the mighty name of Jesus? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God.